Hey guys, Henning and Morten from Flip Mongols here. And in this video, we are going to be talking about 10 reasons why your art isn't improving. We've been thinking long and hard about these reasons, and we really hope they will genuinely improve your art from here on. So let's jump right into it. So before we get into the 10 reasons, make sure to subscribe. Now, a way I like to think about why some people are improving and why some people aren't improving is if we shift our focus from art into music, <laughs> we, uh, y- you know, you have your favorite song, you've been listening to this song for, for 10 years, 15 years, and you, you'd really know it by heart. But when we try to sing it, it kind of, you kind of don't really know what's going on. You get a gist of it, but you don't actually have an idea what the lyrics are. And now you can have an, uh, another person who's been listening to this song just a few times and they've been studying the lyrics to it. And they can now sing the song perfectly when it comes to the lyrics. So now you have a person who's practically a beginner to the song. And then you have you who's an expert. You've been listening to it for years and years. <laughs> and the beginner knows the song way better. Yeah, like um, I've been listening when I was a kid, I was listening to Linkin Park. I probably listened to Linkin Park for like 10 years. Don't know any of the lyrics to any of their songs. <laughs> exactly. Like, but you can have somebody. So who <laughs> hard, but no, I don't know. Yeah, we have no idea what Linkin Park is saying. <laughs> but you can have somebody who's been really new to Linkin Park and they know the lyrics really well. And it's the same in art. You can have somebody who's been drawing their entire life. Mm. And if you look at their art, it's not actually that good. So in this video, we are really going to be talking about how you can be the, the person who listens to, like actually reads the lyrics and who actually properly improves using systematic methods, which can just improve your art time and time again. So point number one, quality versus quantity. And this is often a point you get told that the kind of quality versus quantity that you need in terms of practice or any kind of input that you get, it needs to be of high quality. And while that is true, you definitely also need quantity. I think often that point is neglected to a point where people just tend to focus on, well, I just need the quality training. I need to make quality assets. I can only make high quality drawings. But the reality is if you don't have the quantity as well, you'll never be able to produce you know, the quality drawing, high quality 3D asset or whatever you might want to produce. So having those two in unison is is super important. Yeah, when it comes to to practicing, you really want a lot of quantity. When it comes to performing at the end, you know, when you're doing your final portfolio, you really want to stick to quality. You want like four or five pieces and they should be awesome. But for learning, you just want to keep doing stuff over and over again and you want to practice. As an example, we we just finished with our first student for the Flip Normals Mentorship. Mm. And this was an eight-week character mentorship course. And we could have kind of done this in two ways. We could have had either is an eight-week figure sculpting course where you just study one figure. It's like the statue of David or a Michelangelo sculpture. And you just, you're just supposed to do like a master study of this. Or we could do it the way we did it, where we had eight weeks where we had a bunch of different exercises. We had like three, four exercises each week. And the purpose here was to increase the quantity. Let's say you're a beginner and you're being asked to do an eight-week study of a Michelangelo sculpture. You are going to make... Yeah, easy peasy. (laughs) Just do that. (laughs) You're going to make so many mistakes, so like fundamental mistakes in it, and they're going to have to be constantly corrected. So while it might be refined at the end, you don't really understand gesture, and there are so many things you don't understand about it. So we could have caught those mistakes within half an hour. So why not do a half an hour study? If you can figure out that you don't understand gesture in doing the 30-minute sculpture, 
well, we should really just keep doing those 30-minute studies and uh, an hour studies and catch those issues early on. And then we can keep on elaborating from there. Obviously, there's a, there's a switch which needs to happen, right? When you're just starting out, getting the quantity is immensely helpful because it allows you to get to a point where you, you do so many different kinds of either if it's studies or you make a 3D model, whatever it is, you fail really fast. You're like, okay, on to the next one. This didn't work. Okay, this worked a little bit. On to the next one. There is a point where they sort of like the graphs kind of cross and you go, okay, now I have a lot of quantity. Now I also need to start producing more high quality assets. I need to put in maybe like a month for just this project and not 30 minutes, right? So it's important to also identify when you believe you need that shift. There's no like specific time. Anyone can tell you when you would need to do that. That's sort of like you just got to feel it, figure out, okay, I've done this for this long. And it seems like it's natural for me to start producing more high quality stuff. Yeah, figure out if you're optimizing your time for high quality art or if you're optimizing for learning. If you're optimizing for learning, you have to get the quantity up. Yeah. Point number two, you're only watching tutorials. <laughs> you're not actually doing any work. <laughs> now, as somebody who makes a living out of doing tutorials, we should just be like, watch all the tutorials, only buy tutorials and watch them all day long. But you really shouldn't. <laughs> I mean, you'd be surprised, actually, how many people forget to put in the work. Yeah. They feel like they're doing the work just by watching a tutorial or listening to a podcast or watching other people do the thing that they want to do. They feel like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of improving with this. I'm, I'm making an active effort to improve. But in reality, it's just sort of like postponing your own practice sessions. Yeah, you, you definitely, tutorials definitely play a vital part in learning, for sure. Uh, the way I use tutorials is um, oftentimes I'm looking for something incredibly specific. So it might be a three-hour tutorial and I need one chapter. So yeah. I get that tutorial for that one chapter and that's all I want from it. Or it can be I'm new to a software, new to a technique. So I watch that. I watch a series on that to get an overview. But then as soon as I can, I really try to do my own projects. When I was learning Blender, while of, well, I was, of course, in tutorial land very a lot of my time, at least early on, I was also trying to do tutorials or to do projects constantly. And the tutorials I watched were kind of a response to my work. It was like I was I was doing a model and then I was watching a modeling tutorial to optimize the work I was doing. Mm. Then I was trying to do some lighting and I got stuck early on. And then I tried to watch a tutorial on lighting. So try to do it that way instead. Try to do a project, get stuck, figure out what you need to learn. And from there on, you watch tutorials on that instead of watching a tutorial on lighting and then kind of trying to do a little thing and just check the box off. One thing I find really helpful there, especially when you've been following tutorials, then you, and you feel like you're ready, right? Then you set up a type of project for yourself that then utilizes the things that you've learned or maybe also includes a challenge or two. You know, maybe you, uh, if you're learning lighting and you've just gone through like some kind of fundamental course on how to do three-point lighting to really nice studio lights. Okay, you, okay, you want to set that up. You feel like you remember how you did that. But then add in like, an additional thing. It could be, okay, in this lighting setup, I also want it to contain some kind of fog. I don't know how to do fog, but I know we could do some cool vol volumetric shots with it. So I'll challenge myself to put that in there as the, as the new thing that you're learning. And then for point number three, that's going to be you're focusing too much on software compared to fundamentals. Now, we just did a 
long video on basics versus fundamentals, why you need both and, and where they are important. But it happens a lot, especially in the beginning when you're starting out with a new well, software. You want to learn everything about that software because you feel like the more buttons you know, the more menu items you know, the better you're going to get. And, and you will be to a certain extent. You're going to be faster at locating that specific menu item. But if you're neglecting the fundamentals, that being, you know, compositing or composition, it could be figure sculpting, understanding anatomy, basic drawing skills, basic lighting skills. No matter how good you are at a software, you're never going to be able to reproduce or create really aesthetically pleasing images. And that's, that's a big problem. Yeah, so for instance, if you want to be what kind of what Morton and I were doing, which is uh, be uh, you want to be a character artist, you should really spend a lot of time on s- figure sculpting studies. You should not be watching all the tutorials on every single feature in Seabrush. While <laughs> it might help you a little bit, it, it really is not the thing which is going to separate you out from the crowd. I so. mean, we've, we've worked with people before that knew, I mean, I literally every single button yeah. in Seabrush. And I, I've been using Seabrush for like... I don't know, over 10 years. And it's just, I don't know where everything is. No. I know where everything is that I need. If I had questions, cool. I could go to them and ask them, where is this specific button that does this with nano mesh? And they're like, yeah, just do this, this, and this. Um, but they were also character artists. And what they produced was just subpar. Like they they forgotten to focus on those fundamental skills. So while they were amazing Technically, in Seabrush, they, they weren't actually able to produce any high-quality work. Next up, we have number four, which is you are making your own original concept. Ah, yes. And this one, we have a whole video dedicated to this <laughs> as well. But in short, if you are a 3D artist, a big part of your job is recreating somebody else's concept art. There is a huge difference between being a concept artist and being a 3D modeler and a general game artist, whatever it might be. If you're a concept artist, you should absolutely do your own concept art. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Obviously. But if you're not a concept artist, you should really try to use existing concept art for your projects. We see this a lot where you have people who are technically really solid at what they're doing. They can recreate photos, they can recreate art, but they can't design it themselves. So now they're trying to do their own original concept art and it just falls flat. You can tell the topology is fine, the materials are fine, the rendering is fine, but because the shapes, the posture, it just didn't it just didn't work. The piece just falls flat and they're technically good enough to do the job. They're technically good enough to get hired, but they're not proving it. Mm. And that is frustrating. So make sure that you use existing concept art wherever you can. Of course, get permission to use it, but really try to avoid using your own original concepts. But even as concept artists, right, you know, you, n- not everything you do is original. You know, you still base it off your stuff. You still do studies to, to improve and... Yeah, I mean, a lot of the time you do photo bashing where you stitch things together. Obviously, that is concepting as well. But not all of it has to be an original thought that has never been thought of before and has to be super unique. Uh, So, But even coming up with those ideas, figuring out how to put things together to create something that's kind of new, that's also a challenge. That's why it's, it's easy to lose focus of what you're actually trying to do. I remember Henning told me a story of a school he was teaching or he was at a school where he was teaching and the students wanted to do like a self-portrait or something, uh, but they couldn't draw. 
but so instead of just taking a picture of themselves and then doing that in 3D, they would first draw a picture of themselves, and, but they couldn't draw. <laughs> so it was a shitty drawing. And then they have a shitty drawing to do a 3D model after, which is just, it's completely besides the point. Just take a picture. You know, it's, it's really about optimizing what you're trying to do and not being amazing at every single field. You don't just check a box, no. which is, I, I did my own concept. That, that itself is worthless. Your end goal should be to make amazing art, whatever that means to you and your position. Yeah. So point number five, you're not asking for feedback. Either that or you're ignoring the feedback that you're getting. And both both happen. Uh, a lot of people are understandably afraid to ask for feedback, especially in the beginning, because they're afraid of getting judged. They might have just gotten started whatever they're doing, let's say 3D, they're sculpting a person and they're like, I don't know how to improve, uh, but I know this looks bad, so I don't want other people to see it because I don't want them to judge me. This was a big problem for a friend of mine some years ago where he was getting started with 3D. He'd been doing it for like maybe a year, a year and a half. And we were talking about ways to improve and I was asking him sort of like, he was into game art. What about posting it on, on Polycount? And he said, no, I, I, I can't do that. Like, why? Just great people on Polycount. They're willing to help. Yeah, I'm not ready yet. But, but I mean, you need to start improving. And, and you aren't able to critically evaluate your own work. You become too emotionally attached to it. And he was like, he just wanted to be better until, you know, be better. And then he would post it. An analogy that we talked about was sort of back to language learning, which we've talked about a few times, was um, this amazing thing that clicked in my mind in, in terms of reading at some point. It was like, well, I don't want to start reading yet. I was learning Japanese. I was like, well, I'll start reading in Japanese once I know how to read. But I'm <laughs> yeah. not going to start reading because I don't know how to read yet. And it's like, it's this, this like you just end up going in, in a loop, right? You, you never actually get to where you want to go. Point number six. You are not finishing your projects. It's really easy when you're working to keep doing projects over and over again. Oh, the <laughs> dreaded eternity projects. Oh, they really they were so they were so <laughs> frustrating. And we're not just necessarily talking about abandoning them, but but it's more that you keep you keep spending like a year on a project because you, you get too focused on one part of it. You're doing mm. character and you spend six months just getting the topology of the boots rights. There is a point where you have to say, this is good enough and move on to the next piece. Because then you can do a post-mortem, you can evaluate what went right, what went wrong and put it in your portfolio and move on from there and make sure the next one is stronger. So I'm not going to, advocate for <laughs> for abandoning your project but i am advocating for finishing them like just if you're really struggling to finish the project say that the portion you're working on now the texturing for instance it's good enough and just move on it's much better to have a piece which is at 60 70 80 percent than an unfinished one which is at 100 yeah, so important it's it's you often see this where people will including myself, we'll start a project, right? We gather all the references, we do the base model, everything's good, and then you just sort of leave it alone. So then you get really good at that. You get really good at gathering your references. You get really good at just making the base, but you suck at the other stuff because you never reach that point. And you get more and more comfortable with the beginning phase, and then you get more and more uncomfortable with the end phase because then you know, well, I'm definitely going to fail it because I've never done it before. So again, it just becomes this self-fulfilling weird prophecy. So 
keep that in mind. And for point number seven is not using reference. This is like, um, I feel like people have a lot of pride when it comes to this whole reference debate. I'm sure we have videos on we this have a, as well. We have a lot of videos. <laughs> <laughs> Specific, yeah, we specifically talk about pure ref, great tool, by the way. And no, not using reference. And, and there's nothing wrong with using reference. Everyone who's a great artist use reference. Everyone who ever was a great artist has used reference. Reference is simply there to facilitate you being able to create something better or recreate something better. Uh, yeah, that's true. We, we had that long video about where we talk about reference and this is a zebra with stripes and it's, is it really a zebra? No, it's a giraffe, a surprise. Um, but one of the things we talk about is sort of like these mental images that we create in our minds to quickly identify what objects are. I think one of the examples that we use are, was we like a tree or something like that? Everyone can visually sort of think about, okay, this is what a tree looks like. And they're like, they would look out, they would see a general shape. Like, yeah, that's definitely a tree. Uh, you ask someone to draw a tree in great detail, they're like, uh, I'm not sure how the branches actually connect. Uh, the same thing with a, a horse. A horse might be a better example, where like everyone sort of has an idea of what a horse looks like. But if you ask someone to draw a horse, they were like, does it have four or three legs? <laughs> I don't know. Um, and that's really one of the crux of not using references is that you then have to rely on a, a flawed library, a library that's inherently not made for recreating things in perfect detail. It's made for quick recognition. You know, that's what our cavemen brains, they, they're designed for. Yeah, plus if you're working professionally, you will use references for every single thing. I mean, even if you're doing something crazy stylized, you will still be using references for everything. And if you don't, your supervisor's going to get mad at you yeah. and you're probably going to get fired. And if you were to send somebody art for, for feedback, you should really include your references. If somebody sends, yeah. me, sends me art and be like, can you feedback this? The first thing I will ask them is, can I see a reference? Because if not, I don't know what you're thinking. Then, then it, it's, it's a picture of, it's a zebrascope of a head or something. But I don't know how to feedback it without seeing the reference. You can have something which looks right based on one piece of reference or wrong mm. based on another piece of reference. Yeah, it's like an, uh, a popular one that you see is people trying to do likeness studies of celebrities. And that's a great example of using reference, but using the wrong kind of references often. Because a lot of the pictures from celebrities are either 10 years apart uh, from different angles, but with and which is great, but with different focal lengths. So then you're using a, a picture that's straight on, which is taken with a 35 mil lens, then one from the profile, which is a 50 mil lens, and then all of a sudden you have this jumbled mesh of, of just stuff that doesn't actually fit together. So it's very important to also source your references from a good place and make sure that it's actually good quality references. Then the next point is that you are too emotionally connected to your art, <laughs> and that is one I feel deeply. Yeah, me too. Because I think everyone <laughs> is very emotionally connected to the art. It's not that you're supposed to be a stone-cold killer when it comes to your art, but it's more that you're supposed to be able to de detach yourself. If somebody gives you feedback on your art, you need to think that they're trying to help your art. You're, they're not criticizing you. They're, they're feedbacking a piece of art. They're not saying that you're a bad person or you are a bad artist. They're saying that this piece of art can improve if mm. you do these things. Yeah, and those two things often get conflated where because you put you know your heart and soul 
into a piece and you're like this is this is a version of me on the screen right and someone comes along and they're like ah yeah you put a hand on the face hands don't go on the face you're like what but no that's they, they definitely do i'll check my reference no you didn't it's it doesn't work that way and then you know emotionally attached then you're not willing to change it so even though that's kind of goes back to the feedback thing even though you were asking for feedback then you're ignoring the feedback because it hurts too much to to change it this is something i've struggled with a lot and especially when it comes to um to my girlfriend who was working as a concept artist and is great at like rapidly prototyping stuff especially in the first couple of years when she was feedbacking me it was like it was very hard for me to take it because it was like Oh, this joke oh, just hits right there. She's right. Yes. <laughs> Damn it. No, I know she's right. My ego, though. <laughs> yeah, so putting the e your ego aside, especially when you're working and, and getting feedback, is probably one of the most important things you can do. Because this is going to be the reality of when you hand in work wherever you're working. It's like it, it's not your work. You're not doing it for you. You're doing it for a client most of the time. Next up, we have number nine, which is using the right tool for the job. You'd be surprised how many people willingly handicap themselves with using just wrong software or like they don't sharpen their pencil even though they have to. Like it, it's all basic stuff. It's like you can, there's a lot of stuff you can do to upgrade your toolkit to make things easier on yourself, whether it's stubbornness or sometimes it's just like you didn't know. So it's important to start researching those things. Let's say you're doing retopology for a face or something like that, and you want to do something based off of a scan, and you want to get hired in VFX, right? But it, you're doing everything by hand and not realizing that in VFX, they actually use wrap to just wrap a already pre-made uh, mesh onto the scan. They don't even, they skip the whole retopology stage. They already have a dedicated model for it. So it's important to think about these things, especially if you're sort of choosing a, a career path. It can also be that you are the embodiment of a ZBrush cowboy, <laughs> where you are trying to do every single thing within ZBrush or the equivalent in other software, instead of seeing what's the best for tool for the job. I see a lot of people who do really complex hard surface models in ZBrush, and while they might look fine, they don't have good topology, and they're they're just incredibly high, like dense pieces of clay, which yeah. can't really be used for anything. So then you have to take them into something like Maya and properly retopologize them. Or you could have just done it in Maya <laughs> the first time and have good topology for it. It's really important that you make sure that you're you're doing stuff for the right reasons and not just because you're you're in love with the specific tool. Yeah, imagine using something like, I don't know, ZBrush for, I don't know, crazy stuff, simulating cloth or something <laughs> like that. That would be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> That's... Then we have uh, point number 10, and that is that you are spreading yourself way too thin. And this is a point I feel myself connect with way too much. Uh, when I was starting with 3D, I tried to do everything. I tried basically every single 3D tool out there. If it, if it exists, 2006, <laughs> I tried it. And the problem with that is all the tools can basically do the same thing apart from some specialized tools, but the main 3D packages can do the same thing. So focus on learning one tool, at least one tool for for each specific discipline, and and really get more mastery within that. 
but then also find your area of focus. If you want to do everything from character design to Houdini effects work to fancy texturing, mm. that, that might be fine if you want to go in as a, as a pure generalist, but you have to be aware of what you're doing. If you spread yourself too thin, you really won't put any experience points <laughs> into the, the, the skill path you want to go into and you won't really level up in that area. So be very aware that you have a limited amount of time and you have limited amounts of experience or limited amount of experience points you can put into specific skills. So put put your time and effort where you where you want to really improve. And then bonus point number one. <laughs> this is something that I actually realized. It's like just a couple of days ago. I was uh, I was editing a video that's going to come out on YouTube soon where we're sculpting a face. It's this stylized female face, and I was getting really annoyed at myself editing my own work, right? Because when I sculpt in ZBrush, I noticed because I was watching a recording of myself, I was noticing that I do this all the time. Zoom in and out, zoom in and out. I've been using that as an excuse for I'm evaluating the model. Bullshit. I. <laughs> It's just a habit now. You know, I've been sculpting for so long that this has just become a habit. Me doing this is just a habit. And I noticed that most of the time when I zoom in and out, I wasn't actually doing anything. It was just pure reflex. I was like, I'd put down a stroke, zoom out, zoom in. Editing that out for like five hours, it's a great motivation to sort of <laughs> change the way you work. So, and I only realized that because I had recorded myself and then sort of watching it back and editing it. So I think... Something like that, recording yourself, we're looking at your progress, looking at the way you work and trying to critically evaluate, is there anything I can improve in my work? That's a great way to actually improve. I would say it's actually impossible to evaluate your, your way of working with like while you're doing it. Yeah. You, yeah. I've seen this before, you know, when we were recording videos and I've been recording tutorials where like I'm actually perceiving time differently <laughs> than I think I am. There might be um, a piece of a sculpture which is really difficult for me to do. So I have to concentrate so hard and it feels like that area might have taken like a half an hour to do. In reality, it was pretty smooth for the viewer and took like five, 10 minutes it's it's really absurd how it works. So you have to, yeah. It's it's for me. It's the only way you know how to evaluate, or you can actually evaluate your your own workflow. Yeah, take this video. It's more than twenty minutes. I didn't know. Yeah, I was who like, knows? Mm, maybe ten minutes. <laughs> Everything gets so weird when you're you know in the zone. You don't really, you don't pay attention as much no. as you would have when you can just use all of your focus just on evaluating the way that you work, for example. And the last bonus tip is that you should keep on posting your work constantly this is a habit i got into very early on and it's something i'm really glad i did i i kept on posting my work on all the different forums and social media and different like just different places and i kept showing it to people and that that just made me it just it just meant that i got a network of people who were able to feedback me and i got used to getting feedback very early on mm. so when we got to school when, when we, we feedback each other heavily, it was a lot more comfortable. It's not still not comfortable. <laughs> Nobody likes getting feedback. <laughs> but it was more like I got into a habit of it. And then I, once it came to building a portfolio, I already had a little bit of a following and I already knew how to do it. I knew like kind of like the unwritten rules of the internet when it came to it. You know, you kind of have gone through a few iterations of your portfolio. So it means that you know that you should have your email, you should have your name, and all these kind of things that people who post their work online for the first time, they might be making a lot of these rookie mistakes. Yeah, yeah, you'd be surprised how hard it is to get in touch with people online, especially people who are artists who want to get hired. 
They don't have their emails anywhere. Post your email. Yeah, post your email, and then you'll get spam. Uh, yeah, I think that just about wraps this up. Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts on this, especially if there are any of these points that you specifically have been struggled with, or if you felt like we've left anything out. Is there an 11th point you would like to add to this that you think is just, this is the most important one? Leave your comment down below. Make sure to subscribe, and then we'll see you guys in the next one. If you're looking to level up your skill set or if you're looking for specific 3D assets, make sure to head over to the Flip Normals Marketplace where I'm pretty sure we've got everything you could ever want in uh, the world of CT.